Well, we're going to take a journey. The title of this morning is The Journey, and we're going to be in a a few different uh, Gospels. The the scripture will be up on the TVs as well, but we're going to be in Matthew 1, Mark 6, and Luke 1. So you can turn back and forth or navigate through with your uh, Bible app or whatever, but but this month, we're taking a look at the people and events surrounding uh, the birth of Jesus. And we looked at Isaiah 9 last week. Uh, Tim taught on the prophecies concerning Jesus' birth on last Wednesday night. Todd will actually teach on the Magi or the wise men uh, this upcoming Wednesday. Next Sunday, we'll look at the promise of rescue because of Jesus' birth. Um, Wednesday night after that, I'll talk about the shepherd's perspective and on the 23rd, again, the candlelight service, we're having a, a worship and scripture reading, and it'll be a, just a good, awesome, intimate time. And then the 25th, Christmas Day, we'll look at Jesus, the perfect gift. And so, yes, it's an eventful month, but, but we'll resume the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Numbers in January. Uh, but this morning, we're going to look at Mary and Joseph and the radical and somewhat intense journey that they were on. And as we peer into their lives and perspective concerning their calling, what we will come to realize is that we're all on a journey, right? We are all on a journey. I like what one commentator said. He said, the Christian experience from start to finish is a journey of faith. And our our journey is all about our calling to fulfill God's will in our individual lives. And I love what Alistair Begg said about this. He said, follow boldly in your master's steps. For he has made this rough journey before you. Better a brief warfare and eternal rest than false peace and everlasting torment. Kind of intense, but it's very true. Christ followers all understand we are saved and set apart for the Lord's work. And he has us on this adventure that he's leading us on. And that's the thing. Like This adventure probably includes um, twists, turns, potholes unexpected detours. In other words, the life of faith, it's it's not easy, right? I'll never forget this one uh, dollhouse we bought for Christmas a few years ago when our daughters were younger. They're eight and 10 now, so they've since got rid of it, but this big old dollhouse, and we didn't put it together till Christmas Eve, and that was a huge mistake. It took four and a half hours, and after about an hour, just the joy was gone. We were frustrated, and we were like, are you kidding me? Like, it was horrible. It was rough. But the next morning, you see the joy on their faces, and you go, oh, it was worth it. It was worth it. It's kind of like the Christian life. It's difficult to walk by faith at times. But, man, in the end, it's, it's always worth it. It is worth it. And so the journey of faith, it's not easy, yet it is so worth it. And that's the thing. Mary and Joseph had such an important and critical calling that was, that was nothing less than astounding. And Joseph would be called to marry Mary <laughs> and raise a child she gave birth to by the Holy Spirit. These two were lowly. They were poor. They did not have much materially. But how many of us know that the Lord doesn't judge us on our bank accounts, our status, how many degrees that we have? He doesn't look at the size of our house, the year-making model of our car, uh, or the clothes that we wear, you know? He looks at our what? He looks at our hearts, yeah. He looks at our heart. And so Mary and Joseph, they weren't chosen to be used by God because they had it all. You know, like, by the world standards, they didn't have it all. Like, you think about the disciples. 
Jesus chose the disciples. We know about those knuckleheads, right? Those guys were a motley crew. We are going to delve into the character that Joseph and Mary had and really the possible reasons why God chose them for this supernatural task. And so let's pray, and then we'll get into it this morning. Uh, Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for this time to delve into Mary and Joseph, the two that you chose to bring Jesus into this world. It's just astounding, the calling that they had. But Lord, we thank you that each one of us has a calling that you want us to fulfill, Lord, and it's the best place to be. And so we pray that you would teach us this morning from the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, which says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So Joseph was called a just, or it can also be translated a righteous man. This meant he respected Jewish law and he sought to obey it. Like all God wants from us is to follow him. (laughs) And I love, I'm reading this book right now and it's just kind of mind blowing because Jesus modeled this for us. We often think of Jesus as the king, as the savior, as the Messiah, and he's all those things. But also when he was, had his earthly ministry, he modeled, he followed God. Like he modeled for us what it was like to seek the father in everything he did, in all of the, the ministries that he had, all the things. It's amazing. I would recommend that none of you ever follow me when driving. I'm just telling you, like, I'm warning you, because I have a horrible sense of direction. And if you follow me in your car, we will both be lost quickly. One time when I was younger, no joke, I ended up in the wrong state. And I had to, and I had to drive a few hours the other way. But I know who, people whose sense of direction is amazing, and I totally trust that they know where they're going. I'm going to follow them. You know, if my dad's watching, sorry, but I'm not going to follow you. But I'm just saying, so I think it's genetics. It's in the genes. But, um, but here's the thing. So Joseph was obedient to God, simply put. This was made clear when he, he and Mary brought Jesus to the temple for his, his circumcision and his dedication. They, they both wanted to do things God's way. We know Joseph was accustomed to celebrating Passover each year in Jerusalem. So So what we see as far as Joseph's character is that he was devout, he was godly, he was a good obeyer of the things of God. You know, and as as, as a pastor, these are the qualities I look for for those who want to be used by God. You know, devout means sincere, devout means serious, devout means consistent. It means without spirit, because without spiritual consistency, really, there's no spiritual maturity. You've got to be spiritually consistent. And godly, those who love and follow the Lord and put him first. God can and will use men and women who lack pride and are reflections of humility. The people called Jesus the carpenter's son in Matthew 13, 55. And so Joseph worked with his hands and the people knew him. You know, reputation matters. We know that from 2 Timothy, qualifications for leaders and everything. Reputation matters. Joseph most likely repaired and made things of wood, uh, such as furniture, carts, plows. Uh, Joseph probably didn't build houses because back in that day, all the ha- there was plenty of rocks in Israel. So the, the houses were usually made with rocks and, and stones and plastered with mortar. Also, the fact that Joseph and Mary offered the least expensive sacrifices in the temple, remember turtle doves, is an indication that Joseph was a poor man. 
It's interesting because, again, God's not a materialist. How much do you have? Okay, you'll be used. How much power and status do you have? Okay, we're going to use you. No. Interesting because the Bible tells us Jesus, in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, Jesus became poor for our sakes, which is amazing. So we see Joseph the man. Now let's look at Joseph the husband. You know, Mary was most likely in her mid-teens when her parents consented for her to enter into betrothal. And uh, my girls would definitely be at least in their 30s before I agree to that. Um, but during, during the year of betrothal, the only way to break it was divorce. This was the action Joseph was going to take when he found out Mary was pregnant, right, to put her away secretly. That's what that means. Yet an angel visited Joseph in a dream, and he was basically intervened. In Matthew 1, 20 and 21, it says, and she will give birth for, uh, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Let's stop right there. So Joseph, Gabriel was, was hard at work, right? He was a hardworking angel. Like for angels, angels were messengers of God. That's what they did. And he needed to relay this message to Joseph. Uh, and so God knows how to get our attention, right? Through many different ways, you know, many unexpected ways. Okay, God, I get it, right? He, he knows how to get our attention. Joseph was godly, and so he was susceptible to, uh, and the recipient, really, of the miraculous encounters and communication from the Lord. Like, if Joseph was all just self-absorbed, he would have not gotten the message at all. Ah, uh, just a dream, who cares? I'm going to divorce her and move on with my life. No, he listened. He was aware of the Lord speaking to him. The angel assured Joseph that this child is from the Holy Spirit, and this was all part of God's plan, even though it was unconventional, unexpected, and a one-of-a-kind kind of thing. So what happens? Well, in Matthew 1, 24 and 25, it says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So here's the amazing quality of Joseph. He was not rash. He was methodical, and he thought things through. But when the Lord gave Joseph the message, he obeyed right away. He said, okay, Lord, he woke up. All right, I'm going forward, Lord. I hear you. The Lord has and will continue to use his kids who are quick to obey. Even when the directions seem absolutely unconventional, even when they sometimes seem insane. Like, really, Lord? Okay, and even no matter how crazy they sound, you go forward and you see, okay, I see what you're doing, Lord. But this speaks of Joseph's faith and courage in his journey. Joseph believed God about Mary, and, and he was all in. He was all in. The Christian life, it's like you're all in or you're not in at all. Which one? God is you're either for him or you're against him. Which one? So we see Joseph as a man, as a husband. Now I want to look at Joseph as the foster father of Jesus. You know, when Joseph and Mary married, Joseph became the legal father of Jesus and so had authority to name the child. Joseph's genealogy calls Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So actually, the people called Jesus the son of Joseph because they didn't understand that Jesus came into the world by a miraculous birth. Joseph gave him the name Jesus just as God commanded and Jesus was actually, it was actually a really common name back in the first century in the Middle East. 
But we see the significance of this definition right here, definitely, because the name Jesus, it also is translated Joshua, derives from the Hebrew roots, meaning the Lord is salvation. So really his name really described and displayed what he, would, what he came to do. Jesus was also, he was born during dangerous times. You know, Joseph provided care and protection to Mary and the baby. You know, lately, uh, my daughter Lily, I've been playing worship uh, and teaching for the last, like, week and a half or whatever, last three or four services, because um, when, when my daughters get sick, especially Lily, she's, she's like, <laughs> she didn't say, I don't want you to stay home, Dad, but she said, I want Mommy. You know what I mean? Like when she was sick, because she knows her mom will just nurture her, and she, that's what she was created to, and love her, and hug her, and kiss her, and all that. She knows that when I'm home, I'll be like, oh, I love you. Let me know if you need anything, and I'll go do a bunch of stuff around the house. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but when they're scared, and they need protection, they come to me. Just That's how God created us, right? But, um, but she always asks for her. But when, when Herod was seeking to kill the babies, you know, Joseph took them down to Egypt, and when they returned to Israel... Joseph took them to Nazareth to live. He was protecting them. He was following the Lord, and they were being protected. The family was. He was leading. And here's why this divine family was safe during all of this turmoil. Whenever God gave directions to Joseph, he followed. He obeyed. Joseph listened to God's voice above all other voices. And, you know, in the world today, it's like there's a whole bunch of voices we could be influenced by. So it's like, what voices do I want to listen to? Because everyone has an opinion, everyone has a take, everyone has their own worldview, and it's like, which voice do I listen to? Listen to God's voice. Listen to the truth, listen to his word. You know, it's like those movies where, I couldn't like think of a specific one, uh, but it's, it's like those movies where, where the good guy is listening to someone and they're watching infrared, and they, get, they had the walkie-talkie and everything, and they're like, hey, okay, go down, go right, go, they're after you right now, go left, go right. And it's, they're leading them, and if they don't lead them out of that dangerous place, then what's going to happen is the, the good guy is going to get shot down by the bad guys because he went the wrong way. So he needs to listen to that voice, like, to, to the exact, precisely. Like, okay, go right, go left, okay, stop, wait till the guy goes by, okay, now go. And, you know, you know those movies, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like with, with the same thing with the Lord. As he tells you to move, to go right, to go left, to, to wait on him, to just pray, to just get into his word, whatever he tells you to do, do. Instead of being, no, Lord, no, I don't want to do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Instead of being stubborn towards God, be submissive towards God, if you will. That's what Joseph was. Following, following God's call for you means following the Lord himself, right? Just hearing his voice and doing what he says, simply put. And so in Mark chapter 6, we're going to look at a few verses really quick. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, I want to read. Mark 6, 1 to 3. Just the next gospel over. Mark 6, 1 to 3 says, Then he, then Jesus, went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is that which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Listen to this. It says, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him because of him. Growing up, Joseph taught Jesus the trade as that was custom. So Jesus was known as the carpenter. And now there's no record of Joseph preaching, but what info we do have of him is that Joseph was a devout Jew. He was a loving husband. He was a godly parent. He was 
an obedient man of God. Some pretty on-point reasons for the Lord to choose this man named Joseph, you know. So now I, I want to uh, examine Mary, okay, let's, uh, Mary's character and why the Lord would choose her. Now, we cannot know all the reasons God chose Mary for this journey and calling, but we do have some insights in Scripture. First of all, the angel Gabriel was sent to a virgin, implying that Mary was pure. I love on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Mary confirmed her purity by asking Gabriel, Well, how can this, how can this happen when I haven't been with a man? Also, God doesn't choose the wrong people. He knows who he's going to choose for what tasks. Now, Mary was not sinless. In her song, she actually referred to God as my Savior, acknowledging that she was a sinner in need of salvation. Now, after Mary was informed by the angel that she was pregnant, she visited Elizabeth, you know, John the Baptist's mom, and Mary sang her song. And I want to just, it's a short song. I want to look at that song. That's the last portion of scripture I kind of want to look at. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 55 is Mary's song when she's pregnant. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. It is amazing, powerful. It just really gives you insight into Mary's heart, Mary's song. Luke 1, 46 says, And Mary said, or sang, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. It says, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. And so in Mary, we see serious reverence for God. Now, she was trying to understand why God would choose her, you know, for this calling. I mean, to be chosen by God is pretty overwhelming. In her song, Mary called God the Lord God, my Savior, and the Mighty One. She celebrated his holiness, his mercy, his power, and his promise-keeping. Mary quoted Psalm 103:17, singing about those who fear him. Mary honored and respected and worshiped God, and the Lord would not have chosen one who lacked reverence. Mary called herself a servant of the Lord. And so Luke 1.38, that's where she says she's a servant. She recognizes she's just a servant of the Lord. She's lowly. She was humble, but yet she was reverent. So God chose Mary, or chooses to use the pure, number one. God chose, uh, chooses to use the pure. Number two, God chooses to use those who fear him. Mary had a firm knowledge and grasp on the, on the word of God. Like in her song, she references, again, the Psalms, the book of Job, and she talks about the promises of Abraham. She knew the scriptures. When the Lord made Mary's calling clear, she responded with a biblical, biblical phrases and images and references and so that's another thing. Number three, God chooses to use those who know and obey his word. 
Mary listened to Gabriel. Sure, she asked questions, but she listened to his response and said in Luke 138, I am the Lord's servant. God uses those who are submissive to his direction. So looking at Mary, we see a person God can use. Mary was also, she was a person of faith. I love that Mary's faith carried her through all these unsure and unique moments. Like the faith that God has given us when active will carry us through. I love what uh, Corey Tinboom said, a Holocaust survivor. She said, faith is like a radar that sees through the fog. It's been foggy here lately, huh? I've had fog lights on my, on my car like on constantly. I'm like, I can't see anything. I need this to clear up. I don't know, is there, some, is there someone in front of us or what? Like, but faith, that's what it does. It's like a radar. It sees through the fog. It leads us. Both Mary and Joseph, they were faithful under pressure. You know, I was looking this up, and a diamond is, again, it's a crystal structure that holds up even when compressed to two trillion pascals. That's five times the pressure in the earth's core. That's strong. Our faith, not cubic zirconia, diamond, I'm just saying, um, faith, but our faith will, will hold us up under pressure, under large, massive amounts of pressure. Because in this life, in this world, there is a lot of pressure. There's a lot of temptations. There, it's easy just to make one decision to say, forget all of this. I'm going to walk away from the Lord. I don't care. But our faith will carry us through the faith that God has given us. So there was actually, we're not going to get too much into it. There's a lot of drama surrounding Mary's pregnancy. But these Mary and Joseph, they were faithful in traveling to Bethlehem because of Caesar's decree. And Mary and Joseph trusted God when she went into labor, when Jesus was born, when the shepherds came, you know, when they had to run to Egypt, she trusted God through all of that. And that's the thing. Number five, God uses those who are faithful. Simple faithfulness. You don't have to do huge things. You don't have to be like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be used by God unless I can preach to thousands. Sometimes it's just coming alongside a person and praying for them, giving them a hug, listening to them as they share their struggles and saying, you know what, God's got you. Let me pray for you. On this journey, you know, called life, we must remain flexible. We must adjust our plans to align with God's will. So Mary, Mary was also a good mother and she was a disciple. From the account of Jesus in the temple when, she, you know, when he was 12, we know Jesus was raised to keep the law and know the scriptures. And it's like, this is the best thing we can do in regards to our kids, right? This is the best thing we can do. Teach them the scriptures. Let them know that God is working in control and loves them constantly. You know, like the Shema. You know, you just make sure, uh, Deuteronomy, make sure they know the word. Make sure it's in the house. Make sure you're reading it to them, discipling them, praying for them. This is how we get our kids ready for the real world. You know, and we also teach them how to have a relationship with God. We're modeling that for them. And we also show them why the Lord is so key in faith building. Like, we teach them these things, right? But it's thought that when Joseph died, Jesus took over the family business for provision. Mary endured the pain of seeing her son suffer and die on the cross, such a painful thing to witness and see. And we know uh, Luke 2.35, Simeon predicted a, a sword would pierce Mary's soul because of Jesus, and it did. But Mary kept the faith, even as she saw her son being brutally beaten and crucified. Mary was a model disciple. And, and, and I do have a little bit of issue. I'm not trying to start a controversy. I do have a little bit of issue, though, with the song, Mary, Did You Know? Yes, she knew. The angel Gabriel told her. 
Okay, so I'm just saying, yes. But, but maybe, like, maybe not to the full, you know, and I, I get what they're saying in the song. Maybe she didn't know to the full extent until the cross, but she knew Jesus was the Son of God. Like, but Mary's last words in Scripture, this is key. Her last words in Scripture in John 2, 5, she says about Jesus, do whatever he tells you to. Another translation is whatever he says to you, do it. Childlike faith means quick to obey God and whatever he says to do. And so she says, whatever he says to do, do it. Our last view of Mary is actually in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And she is one of the believers gathered there. Mary was saved by faith. This is just so mind-blowing, you guys, thinking about this. It's, it's hard to wrap our minds around, but Mary was saved by faith in a child she carried in her womb who she raised, who she saw die on a cross, who she knew rose from the dead, and it's like, wow. Her, her, her womb protected Jesus after his ascension. Mary was secured by her Savior. I mean, it's just like, wow. So as we look at the lives, look into the lives of Joseph and Mary, we see some reasons that God, I believe that God would have called them to this monumental task. Their journey wasn't the typical, you know, five, ten-year plan kind of thing. It was just kind of like, what, Lord? You know, have you ever be led by God and he tells you to do something like, what, Lord? I, no way. There's no way. hesitation at first, but then you're like, okay, God, you're confirming this, so here we go. We're going on the adventure. Her, their journey had twists and turns and divots, again, potholes, detours, and it was not what you would call a smooth journey. You know, there's beliefs out there who say, you know, once you accept Christ, no problems anymore, no sickness, no pain, no heartache, no sorrow. That's heaven. That's the wrong belief, right? That's not going to happen here on earth, right? It, it was rough for them. Yet, I believe if asked, again, this is just conjecture, but I think if asked, Joseph and Mary would have said, I would do the same thing all over again. I would do the same thing all over again. Not because it was easy, but because they knew they were in the middle of God's will, in the middle of God's plan. And it must have been so awe-inspiring for Mary and Joseph to see the reaction and the reception that everyone had to Jesus being born and to see how people reacted to his life and to see him do, you know, for Mary to see him do ministry and all that. It's like, wow, all the prophecies are fulfilled. This is amazing. They were used by God because they absolutely were devoted to the Lord. They were committed. They were faithful. They were steadfast. And I think they finished well. And you and I are on a lifelong journey following the one who gives eternal life. We are on the divine journey, but we must stay in communication with the Lord so that we stay on the right road, the road of God's will. Mary and Joseph were on a divine journey. They stayed on God's path because they were reverent towards God. They took him seriously, right? They were humble, though, and they didn't want anything from God. They just wanted God. And God provided every step of the way. You know, two years later when the uh, Magi, the wise men, came to the home after, because we know Jesus was dedicated by that point. So the, sorry to ruin the nativity scene. I'm saying like the, the, the wise men weren't there at the manger. But two years later, they went to the house and they offered these gifts, which we be, most believe they used uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, sold them in order to take their journey. God provides, you know, even through all of this. But a closeness they had, which was fostered by obedience and communication with God. God's perfect plan was accomplished through Mary and Joseph, and God has, his, has a perfect plan for me and for you. And the quicker we obey, the quicker we will see the glory of God and recognize his divine plan for us. 
It's like we don't want to say what Moses said when he first was called. Now he eventually gave in, but he said, send someone else. <laughs> we want to be like Isaiah. He said, send me. No one else will go. I'll go. Send me. And so God has a divine plan and a purpose and a calling for every single one of his kids. Not just a super exclusive VIP section of people, but every single person who follows Christ, who's a Christ follower, he has a plan for you, and he wants to use you in mighty ways. And again, these mighty ways might seem small to us, but I believe they're big to God. Just being there for others, being a light in this dark world, giving hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless, that's what we're here to do, right? We're here not just to be like, I'm filling up and get, I'm going to become a, a fat sheep and just fill myself spiritually, but we f- fill up and then we give out, right? It's, it's a two-way kind of thing. We, we, we take in the word and we share it with others. We love God first and love others next, love our neighbor. And so that's what we're called to do. But these two, it was not easy. But again, I think it was worth it. We all know it was worth it because we know the whole story. And so whatever you're going through, whatever rough times you might face, you know, God's going to use you in the time. He's going to grow you. He's going to refine you. He's going to get you out of that rough time. And you're going to look back and go, oh, Lord, I see what you're doing. I, I see why I was in that tough time. Thank you so much for delivering me. And that's the thing. He is our deliverer. And that's what we're going to look at next Sunday. He has uh, uh, the promise of rescue. He's rescued us. And there's nothing better than that. I don't think there's anything better than that. So 